What's up, world? Welcome to the Melanin Money Show, the official destination for personal finance, entrepreneurship, and wealth building for melanin millionaires. We will teach you the tools, the tips, the tactics, the hacks, and strategies you need to learn to become financially free so that you can be the wealth starter and legacy lever for your family. And I'm your host, George Action Palm, accompanied by co-hosts Jacqueline Shattuck and Carter Cofield. If you're ready to begin your journey to become a melanin millionaire, tune in, take notes, and let's go, go, go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Melanin Monday Show. We are super excited about this episode. Welcome to episode three. Um, this one's going to be interesting. This one's going to be a real hot topic, and so we're super excited to dive in. I'm your your host, George Pong, of course, accompanied by the other hosts, Jacqueline and Carter. What's up, y'all? How y'all feeling? Hey, feeling good. Feeling great. Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Super excited for today's topic. Can't wait to get in it. And just like happy for the, all the love that people have been showing for the new podcast, man. Super happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned on the, uh, the podcast before this one that within 24 hours of us going live, we were ranked 116 out of 66,000 business podcasts, right? And we haven't been live for 24 hours, technically. So and we appreciate the love. Um, what helps us climb the charts is reviews and subscribes, right? So that way when someone shows up, they can see a review. Like, you know how it is. You look at a restaurant on Yelp, if that thing ain't got at least four. You, you kind of, you know, you, you ain't really thinking about it. So give us a review if you like that. If you like the content, it's free. That's all we're asking in return is a review, a share, a subscribe. And that's how people can tap in. So I appreciate y'all. But uh, yeah, let's tap in. Let's uh, let's get into the topic of today. So today we are talking about dating and money, or we'll say relationships and money, because we'll, we'll touch on the marriage aspect as well. Relationships and money. This has been a hot topic, I feel like, um, definitely this past like couple months, y'all. So what are y'all, what are y'all thoughts on the whole concept of dating or relationships and money? Jacqueline, we'll start with you. Ooh, I mean, it's interesting because not only being like a young single female dating, but also being a financial advisor in that space, like dating and talking about money, uh, it, it never really goes really well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's a more loaded question you can ask somebody. Right. I don't even know where to start. Right. I mean, thank God we got this podcast. We're going to dive into it. But like just the initial question. It's such a loaded question. I think it's one that people shy away from. So I think that us talking about this is going to start a lot of conversations yeah. in home in homes, whether it's good or bad, right? But I think that it needs to be talked about. So let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So so we'll start off with the the whole Drake and his was ten thousand ten thousand dollar day. Yeah. So let's start there. So I think a few weeks ago, you know, time flies, but Drake, uh, there was a helicopter that caught wind of him having a date. I can't remember what the stadium was. Do was having a date. He pulled a drink. I think it was Dodgers. It was a Dodger Dodgers, Stadium. Dodgers Dodger Stadium. Stadium, right? He rented. He rented it out, right? You know, what I'm saying him and him and his lady. Um, and now and then was circulating around like Drake has set the standard, right? Drake, you know, if you ain't dropping ten thousand dollars on a date, what are you doing? And then we had a pleasant young lady who's good with numbers, and she did the math on how much money Drake makes in terms of salary. Right. So these yeah. are the numbers. Okay. So can you give her a shout out? What's that girl's name? She deserved a shout out for that tweet. That tweet was phenomenal. Jacqueline, you, have, you by, have her name? She goes by AK. So okay. Automat AK um, is her handle, right? Okay. So what she posted was Drake's reported salary is $47 million per year. A $10,000 date is 0.00021% of his annual salary. The median household income in the U.S. in 2020 was $68,400. 
He set the tone of a $14.55 date. <laughs> so I'm telling Matt, I'm telling Matt from this day forward, if, it, if the date is not less than $20, then you know. <laughs> we have it. it. Yeah. That's hilarious. So that's really funny. And it's like, I think that um that can help put some things into perspective for people who for people who think that their first date should be like a $400 date, it's right. like, let's kind of scale back a little bit right. and <laughs> let's use this as an example. And that's, not, yeah. that's a fact. Yeah. And so like with the, the percentage was 0. 0.0007, right? So like, let's use a hundred grand as like a median, as a number, right? Let's use a hundred grand as a number to see what, what what's the calculation come out to. It's probably like what, $22, 23? Does it even matter? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically here's the thing. I think that one, first of all, Drake didn't, didn't pay to rent it out. It was probably not being used. He probably just paid some security to come in there and walk him through. So I doubt, you know, that he rented out the stadium, but more importantly, people just ran with that number as if that's okay to start dating with, with no relative perspective at all. So okay. uh, the point of this conversation, let's just like kind of bring it into a relativity standpoint. And then, um, you know, we can kind of just talk about the, the the elephant in the room, just like overall relationships and money. Nah, for sure. So Jacqueline, what are your thoughts? On the relativity. So I kind of want to take like a step back first. And the way that I position it to people is just saying like, okay, money is already a taboo, taboo topic, right? It's already hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And part of the reasoning why it's hard is because we like to attach a person's value to either their net worth or how much money they have coming in, right? And that makes it really hard to date when you see people like that. Right. When you value people based on a numerical number, like of what they bring in, what their net worth is, then it makes it really hard to have an open relationship and open dialogues about money because, you know, you've got some random arbitrary number set in your head of like, oh, they've got to make six figures or they're not yeah. worth it. Yeah. Jacqueline, as a woman, so we're trying not to braid you a question, but I just had this question burning inside me. Being a woman who, are, who is amazing in the personal finance space, on your first date with the guy, like how, what are you using as a metric to know if he's like financially has or not? Or is that something you're even looking for, right? So like, can you walk us through like from a financial standpoint, how do you know if a guy like on a first date like has money or not? Or like, how do you gauge it? Oh my gosh, this is like... <laughs> this is this is taboo for me. Like I don't talk about these things, especially not on like a large platform. Like, I mean, but we here, <laughs> we here, hey, we here. We we all, we all have to we- share share some of those intimate stories. Oh gosh, here we are. Okay, so on a first date, um, I am really honestly like past the point where I'm like, oh, does he have a Rolex? You know, are we going on a three hundred dollar date? Like, I'm past that. So. First date for me honestly needs to be a $14.55 date because I need to know if, first of all, a $14.55 date, we're probably not going to dinner. Yeah. Lunch, right. <laughs> that, that's barely even lunch if that's, that's the two lunch of us for together. one person. Yeah, for one person. <laughs> so on a first date for me, I'm analyzing who you are as a person because all money is in good money. So um, since we're kind of stepping out here and being honest, like, you know, I've obviously dated in the high net worth space and it's like, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not married now. So that doesn't mean that that just because he has money is going to be a great relationship. It's going to be something right. that you are taking. So on a first date, I actually want that first date to be cheap because I consider my time to be valuable. So if I'm going to take time out of my day to go sit down with you and I don't even really know you, that first date needs to be like, let me see if I like your energy. Let me see if I want to be around you first. Like, let's right. have some open conversation. Can I even talk with you? Right. So. Like, uh... 
So is, is there any like, so there's no like um, threshold for like, this is not okay, or this is okay. Like, you know, he has to spend a certain dollar amount. Cause some girls actually have that. Like if it's mm-hmm. not X dollar amount, they're not going out. But here's the thing. If a guy is showing it all to you on the first date, he might not have it like that. Right. That's a fact. You got it like that. You don't want to, you don't want to show it. Mm. So I think that that's a big issue with women. They, they force some guys to like show it all the first day. And then like, they wonder why, like, oh, you know, uh, and the, on the back end, he ain't got nothing behind him like that. It was a, it was a tweet. Like, this uh, it was an Instagram picture. This girl, um, like all these Birkin bags and stuff like that. And it was a guy ho- holding her hand. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It was like a chain ball of debt, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. forcing guys to show it early is making them irresponsible long term. So, I just wanted to get, you know, your opinion on that and just, or just at least acknowledge that. Ooh, yeah, no, it does make guys irresponsible long term. But I don't want to see it all on the first day. First of all, I know how we're, still, we're still talking about uh, the money, right? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he would. He would. So <laughs> I don't want to see it all. And I know how money works. So I know that, like, if you're showing me all of your money, like, then chances are maybe there's nothing behind the scenes. I mean, chances are maybe there's more behind the scenes, but I know how money works. So let me give y'all a really good story really quickly. And I hope that our podcast editor doesn't make this like our highlight and it gets posted (laughs) everywhere. I want you to have to listen to the episode to get this story. okay? so I go and he's going to kill me because we're still actually kind of cool to this day. So I end up out at a bar like a few years ago, pre-COVID era with a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this guy comes to the bar. He orders like a bottle. It's a pretty dead night, kind of quiet Saturday. He orders a bottle of champagne all for himself. Right. And my friend was entertained by some other guy. So I'm kind of sitting there playing on my phone, watching TV, just chilling. So I see him like kind of down. He orders a bottle of champagne for himself. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like you're here by yourself. So, um, you know, he comes and offers me a glass, like maybe, you know, 20 minutes later or whatever, brings me the glass. So I'm like, okay, kind of sipping on the champagne. This guy keeps making references to being rich. And mind you, like, we don't know each other at all. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. You don't know that I'm a financial advisor. So he keeps making these references to being rich. And I'm like, after the third one, I said, dude, if you make another reference to being rich, I'm going to ask you to open up your online banking account and show me that you're rich. So, of course, another glass of champagne and I make him whip out his phone. He pulls out his phone. Y'all won't believe this. Like his checking account had $200,000 in it. We're advisors, right? His checking Uh account had $200,000 in it. His savings account had like 2.5 million in it. Uh So he was rich. He had had some duckies about him. Okay. I was like. That's an irresponsible amount of money to be sitting on. Isn't it? That's exactly where I went. I was like, wait, you do have some money. And why is it? Why do you have any cash? So, you know, where our conversation went from there. Um, Is he a client now? He ended up being a client. So. Um, and I had to work with him. I was like, dude, you can't be doing that. You can't just yeah. be pulling up here. <laughs> You're all like yeah. an account. But, you know, those are the kind of situations. I'm not going to say I always go through those situations. But oh, yeah. huh? it is the okay, Lori. Okay, Lori Harvey. <laughs> it's Lori. that I have been in. So talking about like dating and meeting people. And it's like, I don't know that any other woman would have really been able to handle that situation like that. I think. Oh, yeah. They would have lost it. They would have lost it. They would have lost it. It's sad that most 
people would have lost it. But it, it's, it's crazy how your exact opposite was like, bro, you are so irresponsible having that much money. Like, you know, and you're, and you're earning 0% interest, like bread off you, bro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, they, they are lending your money out. Like, you know, but. It's yeah, so I'm going to tell, tell y'all a funny story too. So like, I um, imagine I first started dating. My whole thing is I want to know, like, if this is going to work quickly, you know, to the best of my ability, you know what I'm saying? That includes the financial piece. And so I was already an advisor at the time. And so I was like, hey, you know, like it was, we had maybe been talking for like three or four weeks at this point. And I was like, hey, you know, this is what I do for a living. Uh, would love to just, you know, be a resource to you and, and, and see what you got going on from a financial plan, from a financial perspective. And so I so we got I got her in a room. I told her to bring like her, you know, her bank statements and all this stuff. And I basically. Yeah. And she she did it. Right. And so I got a chance to get a glimpse of how she spent her money and she was spending so much money on food. I'm like, yo, who spends this much money on food? You're spending more on food than you're on rent. You know what I'm saying? So like I had to I had to see firsthand like how she was moving with her money. Now, she wasn't irresponsible, but she was just spending a lot of money on food and she has a big heart. So she was like super generous. And so she was always like doing kickbacks and like covering 100 percent of the cost. Every single time I'm like, look, you're like 24. Like, look, everybody needs to chip in five, 10 bucks or something to, to help out with the pizza. But anyway, more of the story is she was coachable and she was willing to make those adjustments. So I was like, OK, this is someone who I could potentially see myself dating. You know, now, granted, I didn't know what it was going to evolve into, but I knew that if we were going to be at least dating, I couldn't have someone who was super frivolous with their money. And so I got I mean, literally, we was three weeks in and I knew exactly how much money she had saved, how much money she had invested Cause I didn't want to play around with it. I want to see where her head was in. So I, I, I go for the, I go for the gusto off the rip. I mean, isn't that what we preach though? Like get around and stay around people that are going to propel you forward and are in a space that you want to be in, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. maybe she wasn't exactly where you wanted her to be in, but she, like you said, she was coachable. She could get there, you know? Right. So I can appreciate that. Now, Carter, do you have any interesting scenarios from a dating perspective? Yeah, Carter. Um, Let us hear them. <laughs> I don't think I got nothing as crazy as, as y'all from experience of like, the other party, right? I can just tell you how I try to approach dates as a as a single guy with money who is extremely. Um, I don't want to say I'm cheap. But I know that my money is a has a job that needs to be doing, right? But so I guess when I go on date, intentionally try not to show how much money I have. One because it's not it's not yours, and, and two <laughs> it's, it's it already has a purpose, right? So like, right. um, I'll take them on a day, and we'll you know we'll have fun or whatever. But like, I'm not trying to keep up persona up a persona that I'm not willing to maintain. I think a lot of guys try to do that, like you know, take them to the nicest restaurant. Like I don't, I believe there's nothing more, in my opinion, there's nothing dumber than spending five hundred dollars on on a meal of food. Like like we could have spent a hundred dollars on food and got two flights out somewhere, right? Like I just look at money differently. So like I I just refuse to spend that much money on an initial date. Um, and then let them see the rest because again, I think that when guy, guys number one problem is they try to show money on the on the front end and they get surprised at who they attract. Right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like mm. they, they show so much money on the front end, but then they wonder why the girls that they attract are like gold diggers, like trying to spend their money, I try to have them fly them out, get, get try to get food out everywhere. My thing is if if I sh- if I'm if I'm acting frugal and like acting responsible in the first couple, you know, on a date or two, my goal is that I will attract somebody who's attracted to men like that. And then I can pull back the curtains and say, hey, let's book a flight out the country. You don't gotta worry about it, just pack your bags. You know what I'm saying? Cash drop. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Nah, nah, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. So, so there's been a lot of like different tweets and sound bites like filtering around the internet. And so I want us to kind of touch on some of them just so that we can weigh in on our perspective, right? So one of them was um 
Um, should a man buy her an outfit for a date? Right. Like, okay. Okay. So let's talk about that. Cause that segues perfectly with what Carter was just saying. So the post was, uh, this Brandy tweets out. I personally think if you are taking a girl out on a date, you should buy her outfit. So then Mike replies to that and he says, you ladies just look for the tiniest opportunity to announce you're homeless. That was the that response. I was hoping you had that on deck, Jacqueline, because that response had me so weak. Like <laughs> That is hilarious because it's like, ladies, I'm going to tell you, you have to have realistic expectations. OK, so again, I hope that this doesn't make the headlines, but. I was asked in the pandemic to be the like financial advisor for a platform that works with women who are trying to become or are sugar babies, right? So they wanted me to be the point person for all of these young women who are trying to get sugar daddies (laughs) on this platform. And I was like, I just can't have that be my imagery. And I can't deal with that on a daily basis because I feel like so many women, honestly, um, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to call us out. Like, I don't call us out often, but I will call us out now. Like, we have to have realistic expectations. And thinking that a man should buy your outfit to take you out on a date is just asinine to me. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, what? And secondly, why would you even want that? Right. Like, that sounds like a next level of control. Like, I can't imagine being like, pick out my outfit for the date you asked me on. Like, mm-hmm. what? That, no. that response, I'm still tripping off that. That, like, that. I mean, that, 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 that I love that response. Y'all looking for any reason to tell, y'all, to tell people y'all homeless. Because here's the thing, man, like, everything has a repercussion, right? So when God, and this is how God's thing, when God spend money on you, they counting like, all right, you owe me something in return because I've spent X amount of dollars on you. So you want to start the date in the hole? Like if I buy you an outfit and we go to a nice dinner, you owe you owe it to me on the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? Like like I'm a plank of the end of it, but girls just so surprised when guys have like, oh, he only wanted to do this, but he just spent three thousand dollars on you. Like you know, like so what you expect? So um, I think that um, I hope our culture isn't going down this road where guys are are responsible for buying the outfit, getting the you know the the Uber and the dinner. Like you know, it just I just won't go on dates anymore. I guess it just doesn't make sense. Right, right. So there was another one. Well, um, it also like it helps us. It helps us, which it doesn't help us. It hurts us in this cycle of like recycling people and thinking that they're less valuable because mm-hmm. you feel like a man should buy your outfit and take you on a $500 date the first time. And then ne- <laughs> you're like, OK, well, he's not doing that on the third day. On the mm-hmm. third day, he wants to kick it at the house. Now I yeah. want to kick it out the house. I want a five hundred dollar dinner again. So then you're like, well, done with him. I'm gonna find somebody else who can do it. And then you create this cycle of just recycling people, and that's not how you should treat people. And here's the last thing I'll say, and George, I'll let you segue to the next point. Here's how I see, you know, as, as, a, as a single guy that's dating. I'm not taking you or doing anything with you that you can't do on your own. Mm. Right. That's my standard. Right. I'm not taking you anywhere that you can't go on on your own. So, you know, the girl I'm talking to now happens to be a foodie. She goes and spends money on food regardless of where if I'm there or not. So it's okay to spend money on her food because she can do that without me. You know what I'm saying? So again, I think the standard should be if you can't do it on your own, don't expect a guy to do it for you. Nah, that's that's fact. It's almost like this tweet I saw. It was like. Find a girl that doesn't need anything and give her the world. You know what I'm saying? It's like she can take care of herself, right? She's not relying upon you because 
The other thing that I realized, and I think the reason why my relationship works so well is my wife has her own identity. She has her own thing going on. So she's not you know, up under me 24 seven. You know what I'm saying? It's like find somebody who is going to get to it with regardless, with or without you. And then y'all can, number one, build more and build better together versus, you know, her trying to ride your coattails off everything that you do. You know what I'm saying? So which is a perfect segue to the next point. Right. Dating in your tax bracket. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that a, is that a thing, right? Should you be dating in your tax bracket? Because what happens to your point, like women or maybe men, right, be looking for a come up, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so the men can you know treat you nice and, and do all this stuff, but then you can't do nothing for him. And now every time y'all want to do something, he got to look in his pocket for double because you ain't got no money or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So what do y'all think about dating? <laughs> Hold in on. Wait, 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 a quick digression there because you were like, oh, you need to date in your tax bracket. Like... <laughs> What did y'all see that post where that uh the woman was like, what did she say? Uh, she said she sat there and she was like talking to her like employee, and he was like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to get married because she's gonna take half of everything that I have. And oh, she was yes. like, What do you have? And then he didn't answer, yeah, <laughs> because he probably didn't have anything. So, um, I think that's a totally funny like side point, but to your point of like dating in your tax bracket. I feel like that goes back to what I was originally saying about valuing people based on their income. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think it's a point of like somebody needs to be in the same tax bracket, but maybe to Carter's point of having similar, similar like interest and in being able to afford the things that you want in your life. So if I'm trying to date somebody that's in a different tax bracket than me, I don't want that to be the the center point of our relationship or the reason why I will or won't date you. Because I feel like that's going back to valuing people based on their income. For a second, I want you to imagine a club, a club that is exclusively designed to help you transform your relationship with money, a club that creates the pathway and the guiding light for someone who is an aspiring melanin millionaire, the one who wants to be the wealth starter in their family. Now, instead of imagining, I want you to learn a little bit more about the Melanin Millionaires Club, because that is exactly what we've created, right? We've created an ecosystem where you can finally get the clarity that you're looking for when it comes to your finances, to give you the confidence that you now know exactly where you're headed so you can make better financial decisions and ultimately give you that feeling of control that you've been seeking instead of your finances feeling like they control you. Let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect as a part of the Melanin Millionaires Club. Number one, you're gonna get access to money challenges, you know, and different challenges to help you level up with your money in fun and creative ways. You're gonna get access to a community of like-minded people who are all on the same journey of marching towards financial freedom in their own right. You're going to have an opportunity to win money milestones so that we can award you on your journey to becoming that melanin millionaire. You're going to get access to guides and resources that you need to be able to dive deeper on your money journey. My most favorite and important probably aspect of this platform is you getting access to my pocket advisor, which is our flagship feature where literally it's like having myself and other advisors right in your pocket. Because let's be honest, right? You can take a course or even try to Google the information that you're looking for. But sometimes knowing that you can have a mentor that you can just call on and ask a specific question is worth its weight in gold. So you get that as a part of the premium membership. You get access to classes to learn about a variety of different money topics. 
there's channels with a bunch of different money content like Netflix, but for financial education, right? You have investment opportunities, right? From time to time when they present themselves, I'm going to share different investment opportunities exclusively with my network. Not to mention, if you sign up today, you're going to get access to seven other bonuses just for being a part of the network. So if that sounds like something that would be valuable to you, I strongly encourage you to click the link link in the show notes and learn more about the Melanin Millionaires Club and how you can be the first generation millionaire in your family. Yeah. So it's more so like, can you at least whatever it is you want to do? Like if you never met me, if you want to travel, if you want to go to a nice restaurant, can you do those things independently of me? Right. And then when we meet each other, you should now be raising your expectations because I make half a million dollars. Right. Like you should still like we can still do the same things. Right. But I'm not I'm not now saying, oh, well, because you got it like that. Now we go into Ocean Prime every time. Like, no, no, no. You weren't you weren't going to Ocean Prime before me. You know what I'm saying? Relax. My God. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's I, I would agree with that. As long as you we don't have to make the same amount of money as long as you're not trying to elevate your lifestyle just because I have more or vice versa. Yeah. And, I, and I'll finish with that um, because, you know, just as, as a tax guru right now, like a high tax bracket is nothing to, bra- nothing to brag about. You can make a lot of money and have a low tax bracket. So let's 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 make sure we all know that. Mm. But but um, yeah, I, again, I think, George, you said it best, like. I don't expect a woman to make as much money. I don't expect the girl I end up with to make as much money, money as me. She does. Dope. If she makes more than me, dope. Like, I love the competition. Of like, hey, who could bring the most money home this year? Like, you know, um, but if she doesn't, again, don't elevate your lifestyle as my money elevates. If I want, if I decide that we, I want to take us on a week trip somewhere, that's my decision. Don't let uh, me um, spoiling you at one time become an expectation. Right. Don't pocket watch, basically. Yeah, don't pocket watch. <laughs> I, I don't like people in my my pockets, my pockets. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's go on to the next point. Seriously dating or exclusive. How should you manage money with someone you're not married to? This is a good one. This is a good one. Um, so I'll, I'll actually start because, you know, I, I've went through the whole cycle. I've, I've dated, I've been engaged and, and also married. So when you're in a serious relationship and you're not married, I'll tell you how we approached it. Right. Like until it was official, like we actually were legitimate, legitimately married. I just gave my perspective on on how I think she should manage her money. And I think my situation is unique because I'm a financial advisor. Right. So naturally, she's going to over index on like, okay, well, he's probably going to give me sound advice. But there was no merging of accounts. Right. None of that. Um, Hell, we didn't even in our our case. Well, my my wife's a, a PK. Um, but in our case, we didn't live together until we got married. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so because of that, like, it wasn't no joint bills. It wasn't no, like, she took care of what she had to take care of. I took care of what I had to take care of. If we traveled or did things together, then, you know, we would we would handle that accordingly. But um, for the slow people, PK is the preacher's kid. Preacher's kid. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was just like, I thought, that, I mean, that, that worked really well for us in that season. You know what I'm saying? It was like, at the end of the day, you got your bills. I got my bills. I want to take you on a date. I'll take you on a date. She sometimes she might take me out, you know, and it was cool because when you start getting stuff, you know, all intertwined too early, too prematurely, like that can get messy really, really fast. Right. You start then you start having expectations about what they should be doing with their money. And that becomes a lot. And when we get to the part about like, what does it look like when you're actually married? I'll, I'll kind of share how how that perspective evolved when you're exclusively seriously dating. If you're not married, my advice is keep that money separate. Now, again, be on the same page and have the same mindset, because what you don't want to do is get surprised if y'all end up getting to that point of wanting to be married. Right. So you want to know where their head is at, but don't start mixing and mingling the funds 
until you cross that threshold. And that's just my opinion. Another credit score. Yeah, another credit score. Definitely another credit score. Y'all try to get the houses, you get surprised. Right, right. Interest rate five percent. You know what I'm saying? Wait, but also, but also, don't hone too much in on the credit score because I feel like a lot of times people will be like, oh. Do you have a 650? Like, that's terrible. And it's like, it could have been one little thing that changed your 650. So, like, just pay attention to the credit score. Like, ask more questions than why is it 650? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, I agree with you, bro. I, I'll go second. Like, I, I think that money should be separate and, and you know, until until marriage, and then you can make a decision. But like beforehand, I think you should, your job, if you're serious, is to understand where they're financially at. Like you can understand, like, do they have student loans or not? Like, do they have a lot of debt? Do they have a lot of credit card debt? Like, I think you should know the picture, but you don't have to have access to the accounts. And that's just, again, my, my perspective. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Because some people get in, they just get in, in bed literally and figuratively <laughs> a little, a little too quick. Right. And it just gets messy. So Jacqueline, any, any, any additional thoughts? No, I feel the same way. Like you should ask the questions. I think I would say all in good time. Like you don't need to ask what somebody's credit score is on the first date. Right. Like that's OD. I guess figure out if you even like this person first, like, can you even spend time with this person? You even want to be around them before you start asking all of these personal questions. Right. Right now for sure. All right. So what's next on the docket? Pre-marriage doesn't want women to take half. So not getting married. Is that kind of what you were talking about earlier? The other point? Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about, can we talk about prenups though? Is that on the docket? Like, is that, is that? It's not, but we should, we should, we should that's, talk about That's pre-marriage. Yeah. Okay. okay. So okay. <laughs> Carter, right, we be, be careful. You, you married. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, I'm, already, I'm, already, I'm already married. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So like, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. So I've actually have talked about this on another podcast before. So like, I'm, I'm cool talking about prenups. So here's my thoughts on prenups. I'll go first. My thoughts on prenups is it depends upon where you're at in life, right? Because if you're getting married at 23, right? And you don't, you don't really got much, you know what I'm saying? Then like, why are you, why are you even worried about a prenup at this point? Right. But if you get married a little bit later in life and you have a little, a little bit more going on, I don't think it's a it's a bad idea. Like I don't I'm not I mean now granted if you are if you feel comfortable and you're at a place where it's like hey I'm I'm cool and I'm content with my spouse and based upon the life that we're building together if we ever split ties I'm okay with you know whatever that looks like that's cool too. But I think there's also nothing wrong with someone who gets married, you know I got married at 28 but you get married maybe you know post 30 or whatever and like you start to really build something, you know what I'm saying? And it's like Hey, I'm I'm cool with what we built together, but if I came to the marriage with X, Y, and Z, like that should be protected. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think that that should be frowned upon if that's your decision. You know what I'm saying? Like because at the end of the day, the only way I would think it, it would be frowned upon is if someone is like, if again, if they don't have enough of their own stuff going on, and they're like, dang, well, he don't want to share his share his wealth with me. Like, no, it's not that deep. You you get to keep what you came with. I get to keep what I came with. But as we grow, if you know whatever we build together, cool. Like that's that's ours. I don't think that that's an unfair perspective. What are y'all um, thoughts? Can I type in Jacqueline right yeah. quick? Okay, so I think about this a lot. So I, I think I came up with a good answer for me, right? So it depends on the type of spouse that you want, right? Um, for me, I believe in getting a prenup because. I want a spouse that's a boss as well. I want a spouse that's going to be working her own business, that's going to be doing her own thing. So my thing is, you leave what you came with, I leave what I came with, and we good, right? Because we both have our own things to come with. Now, what I disagree with, if some some guys want a girl that's going to be a stay-at-home mom, they want her to be at home with the kids, they want all that, it's, it's, that's not fair to ask for a prenup because you're encouraging her to stay home and not have anything. 
Right. So I think that if you, it depends on the woman that you're, that you're trying to have. And for me, I want a woman that's a boss, her own, her own thing. So that prenup conversation is going to be a hard conversation to have because she's going to have something to lose as well. So that, that, that's kind of where my, my, my thought process is on it. No, I think that's fair. I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I follow suit in a pretty similar fashion. Um, I don't think that prenups are a bad thing. I think people hear the word prenup and they're like, oh my gosh, like that's terrible. Like you want to protect what you have? Like you want to keep your assets separate? But the Carter's point of like, okay, what kind of relationship do you have? Um, they literally created spousal IRAs for stay-at-home significant others. So it depends on, you know, do you want the relationship where you do have one spouse at home? You got a house husband? Like, is that what you're doing, sis? <laughs> right. Then, I, I, think, I think to your point, the same girls who want somebody to buy them clothes before the day are the same girls that's kind of like upset about a prenup because like they yeah. kind of come in with this agenda of being taken care of. Right, right, right. So now let's talk about like the evolution, right? So you decide to make that transition. You feel like this is the one. You get married, right? You know, say you you, you put a ring on it. What what does it look like to manage finances at the highest level, right? When you're married to someone. So I'll, I'll talk you guys through our evolution, right? So obviously I had very early context of how of how my wife spent her money, but also, you know, realized that she was coachable. And it was obviously someone that I could continue to see myself still dating because we ended up getting married, right? But for me, and one thing pe- everyone has to know, I don't care how long you date someone. I don't care if it's one year, five years, seven years. When you get married, it's going to be different. People think it's the same. It's going to be different. It is, right? And so for me, I had the foresight to say, look, let's the first year is like our, our, our money probation year, right? It's like, we'll have a joint account for bills, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and based upon our income, we had a, at that time, we had like a little calculation, right? Like how much of it was mine versus hers, whatever, right? And then whatever you want to do with your personal money is up to you. And then we looked at other like household stuff, like groceries and stuff like that. And we kind of came up with like a formula of who could, who kind of took care of what. Now, what I will say is that seemed like a good idea at the time. But for me personally, this might not work for everybody. For me, if I'm deciding to marry someone, like at that point, you're saying that you want to be with that person forever. Yes, people get divorced and things don't work out, but you're saying you want to be with them forever. And so for me, it actually became more of a hassle to try to like keep certain things separate. You know what I'm saying? For example, like we had this agreement where like I took care of like certain bigger bills and she would like take care of like the groceries or something, right? So then when she was out of town one time, like because, you know, I'm a frugal guy, I was like, well, damn, she'll take care of the groceries. I was like, yo, so you gonna, I mean, you gonna like cash out me some money? No one cash out back then. It was, it was something else. I was like, you know, I gotta get some, we ain't got no groceries in the house. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to use my money because you're the one who takes care of groceries. And it just got like too much of a hassle. So my whole thing was this. When we have a common goal for the household, we know what our financial freedom number is. It doesn't matter how much I make, how much you make. All of the financial resources are there for a common goal. How some of it gets allocated for investing, saving, whatever, and some of it gets allocated for bills doesn't matter. We look at the collective pot of income that's coming in. We look at all the expenses, all of the goals, and we just know that the money is going to be distributed and allocated accordingly, right? That became a much easier approach for us. Now, I know up here, many couples where they're like, nah, I still got to have my separate... Um, you know, spending money. I don't want nobody, you know, checking for me. But for me, it's just like, it ain't that deep. It's like, again, if we're in a relationship, you know what I'm saying? We're married. Like I'm cool with all of our money going towards a collective common goal. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's how we end up evolving in it. But I know I'm the only one on, you know, on the podcast that's married, but like, what have y'all had put any thoughts around like how you would even envision 
managing your money as a married couple? Well, you're the only one that's married, but I've advised a lot of married couples mm-hmm. across all different age ranges. And so I like having had that experience because it helps me to explain one of the reasons why you're doing it in one of the best methods available. So my recommendation is always to have, if you are married, to have that joint account where the money comes into. And then if you want to have a separate account, like you have one and your spouse has her own, that's fine because certain people do like privacy of their spending. So like, say you want to buy her a gift and you don't want her to know that you just bought her a gift, you're able to buy it from your own account. So I recommend that people have those joint accounts. And Carter can speak to this too, because once you get a little bit older, um, a lot older, once you get into like your retirement phase or you're in that financial freedom, that financial independence number, different investment accounts have different tax consequences when you withdraw the money. So I've had clients who have been very separate with their funds, like clients who've been married 20, 30 years, and they've just done everything separate for so long. And that's worked for them, which is amazing. But then you get into the retirement phase and they both decide that they want to pull from their IRAs equally. And it creates this large tax bill for them because for the last 20, 30 years, they've always done everything separate. So now even moving into this phase, they want to do things separate. And it's like, okay, had you guys join finances or if you guys were able to join your finances, now and be more comfortable with sharing, like you have been sharing things for the last 30 years, then your tax bill wouldn't be as high. But Mm -hmm. because you guys have done the same thing forever and you're unwilling to change, you're going to stay in this high tax bracket because that's just how you want to pull your funds. So I do recommend that people, if you really are married, get comfortable with having joint finances, get comfortable with having money conversations, because as we know, financial needs, financial conversations, money has been the number one cause of divorce for a very long time. So the earlier that you can get more comfortable with doing things collectively, the better your chances of success are. Yeah. And it's also like baked in accountability, right? It's like, that's the other reason why I like it being joint. It's like, you know, you have somebody to quote unquote answer to, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it doesn't have to feel like so strict, like I'm answering to this person, but if y'all have a collective plan, like, Hey, we, our goal is to save this much, invest this month, spend this much on variable spending or whatever it is, like you have a built-in accountability plan because when it's just you, you can, you can bullshit yourself, right? You can be like, Oh, well, you know, it's okay. No one, no one knows you're operating in a silo, no different than how you can stun on Instagram and be, you know, chilling at the crib. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I like it. It's like a built-in accountability. We have money dates and we talk about, you know, talk about the finances and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'll say there's no one size fits all. But the more of the stories, if you're sharing a bed, you shouldn't have an issue sharing sharing the money <laughs> at the end of the day. Hey, they, they said that at church. They put it into perspective. <laughs> they said, they were like, yeah, so you guys, of course, they're talking to like a millennial group and they're like, so um, you're willing to share your body, but not your bank account. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> uh, that, that hits, that hit different. That hit oh. different. <laughs> ne- next topic. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, you know, we inadvertently kind of like touched on, um, pretty much all of the hot topics around, you know, or taboo topics around money and dating and relationships. Wait, but can we talk about this one thing really quickly? What's that? NBA Hunt Boy, which I think is a woman that said to NBA N- Hunt Boy. Young, wait, okay, go ahead. I don't, I don't make up the names. Oh, okay. somebody just, somebody just tweeted something. Okay, yeah, okay. said okay. two, okay. two incomes in the household will, will forever be superior, and so. <laughs> Jane uh, responds and says, exactly. That's why I like my man to have two jobs. 
I mean, it's, it, they, just, they just make a woman look bad, right? Like, right. and here's what people don't understand is doing. Like, when women kind of expect men to pay for everything and things like that, they're deva- they're devaluing themselves and saying like they can't earn as much. And it's like it's and in their subconscious, they probably actually believe that they can't earn as much as a man. So if you keep pushing that dynamic, I think it's going to have a long term effect. You can't. Um, earn a lot or be somebody or anything like that. And I know um, that's not the type of woman I'm trying to attract. So, um, but the tweets are hilarious to see. Yeah. You know, my my whole thought, my whole thought on that is like, look, if you understand financial independence, right, you understand the the target, right? Like, okay, based on the lifestyle I want to live, here's the amount of passive income I need to achieve that. Right. My whole thing is there's no such thing as um, extra money or, you know, whatever, until you hit that target. You know what I'm saying? Like, like until you hit that target, like it all, it all is going in the pot. You know what I'm saying? So like, I remember like I had like coached my wife into that mentality. Like she would get like cash from her mom for like a birthday or something like that. And whenever she got extra cash from anything, her mind, like literally it would be like, Oh, this is extra money. I'm like there's no such thing as extra money until you're financially independent. It does not exist. So when you have two incomes, it now is just accelerating that goal faster. So why would we be not trying to have two incomes coming to the household unless we're financially independent? And then not to say that, you know, it's lifestyle creep, but as exposure happens, right? And you're, you're, you broaden your horizons of what's possible, right? Because I'm pretty sure five years ago for all of us, right? I know we're different ages, but five years ago, I can't speak for all y'all, but I wasn't thinking about flying private. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Like I wasn't, it wasn't even something I was thinking about. You know what I mean? But as your possibilities expand, and this is a good, a good like just point about pocket watching. If you see somebody buying Louis, Gucci, Prada, or flying private, like there could be a chance that they're stunting for the gram. But also you got to realize, like at the end of the day, it could relative to the percentage of money that they make, it could be a fraction. So sometimes, like, yes, people stunt, but don't always assume the worst. Like sometimes it just it ain't that it ain't that big to them, it ain't that deep to them based upon how much money they make. But anyway, getting back to the point of, of financial independence, if we know our target, then we should be do be doing everything in our power to accelerate that target. You know what I'm saying? And so when you want to put the pressure on one person or think there's this concept of extra money. You're just delaying the goal, you know, of getting to where you want to get to. And and, and I want to hop in here because that's probably my biggest issue in the dating phase now, because we're due to the fact that we're like social influential people, people can kind of, you know, understand how much money we could be earning on a certain week or a certain month because we kind of advertise it because we want to show people what's possible. But then when some, you know, some, a potential woman can see that and they can get to count of your pockets and expect something, which my first point earlier was like, I don't want to show it because that money has a job. I don't care if it was 10K, 5K, 100K, a million, like that money is, that's not extra money. That's that money has a job. It has a goal. It has a reinvestment. It's, it's a, it's a soldier to fight for my financial freedom. So that money already has a, already has a job. So don't go counting it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, it, that's probably a bigger, bigger problem that we're facing in, like, you know, in the relationship community. But I think um, if you help educate the significant other, whether it's a guy or a girl that, that to your point, there's no such thing as extra money until we hit X number, then they'll, they won't react the same when a big check comes in. Yeah. And real quick, um, cause you said educate them. That's a huge thing, right? So like one thing that I learned is, and Jacqueline, you can tell me if I'm wrong in this thinking. Um, but what I've seen with women, or at least my, I'll just say my wife, I'm not even going to say women because that's been so far moved, right? Yeah. One woman. With my wife, what I've seen is that women are goal oriented, right? Like they, and goal oriented in the sense, like they want to see a target, like men, like their mission, just like, hey, look, I'm cool with the long haul. You know what I'm saying? Like I could, I could, you know, uh, have a 10 year game plan or whatever. Right. But when, like my wife here's a great example, like fitness, right? Like I work out year round. I'm going to be getting to it all year round. I'm not only doing it 
to look good on the beach. You know what I'm saying? Whereas my wife, you know what I'm saying? She, you know, she's going to work out, you know, for the most part, she's pretty fit. But when it's time to get in, in like the wedding dress, like she went hard or when it was time to go to the beach, she went hard. So what I realized is when it came to money goals, I needed to shorten the horizon or give her something that she could latch onto, right? I needed to paint a clear picture of why we were doing it. I can't say we're saving for our financial independence for the foreseeable future, right? It's had to be a look. If we do this and we get this shit right, Life is going to be like this and we can do this and we can do that. Oh, okay. Well, bet. bet. <laughs> Let's lock in. I I don't know that that's like a female thing, but I think it's just putting that into perspective for all kinds of people, right? Because money is not really natural for most people. Um, You're not designed to be good with your money. You're designed for survival and to reproduce. So you had to put things into perspective for certain people because I've had to do that for men. Like, hey, this is why we do this. This makes sense this way. So I think it's about knowing your partner and knowing the person that you are essentially investing your time in mm-hmm. and being able to communicate and get on that level with yeah. that person to where they understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, guys, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Uh, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed it, too. Like, let us know, uh, you know, what has been the the taboo money topics that you have you know, had to encounter with you know, significant others in the dating scene. Um, and then share this episode with, with somebody else, maybe who you're dating, um, to start this conversation. I think the way to make money less taboo is to talk about it, right? We got to talk about it. We got to get in front of it um, so that we can make it less taboo. So thank y'all for tapping in as normal. And before we go, I'll be remiss if I said, hey, guys, you know, like this whole podcast is dedicated to helping melanin millionaires, you know, get to that next level. And so that's why we created the Melanin Millionaires Club. So if you have not joined the club, please tap in, check out the show notes. We got some really dope upcoming classes that you can find on our website, melaninmoney.com. Um, RSVP, tune in and let's get this money. You know what I'm saying? Let's get this money. Yeah, but also, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening, like, Leave it. Let's let's look. Let's look, look. We're gonna put Carter on the spot. Okay, I haven't done this, but here we go, Carter. Like, leave your opinion on Carter's dating method. Like, wow. what do you think about that? What do you think about that? <laughs> wow. you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Good to see those to see those comments. <laughs> yeah, leave a five star review, and then in the review part, you can put how you feel about my outlook on dating, and then um, I'll I'll make sure to check those and comment back. But thanks y'all for joining. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Peace. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. If you like this episode, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a five-star review. And if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend because we're providing this valuable game so that you can level up as an aspiring melanin millionaire. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll 